Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. A state audit report shows hundreds of thousands of Californians are drinking water that is unsafe. Many live in disadvantaged communities in the Central Valley. KQED's Alex Hall has more. The state auditor's report found nearly a million people in California face possible long-term health problems like liver or kidney damage or cancer because their water comes from a failing system with some sort of contaminant like nitrates or arsenic. That means they can't safely drink it or use it to cook or bathe. More than two-thirds of those systems, the report says, are in disadvantaged communities that have a significant financial need. Many are in the Central Valley. In a letter to the governor and state legislature, California's auditor said the State Water Resources Control Board, the agency responsible for fixing failing water systems, has demonstrated a lack of urgency in helping communities with unsafe water, despite having the funds available to do so. In a response, the Water Board's executive director agreed that the process could be clearer and faster, but she disagreed that the board hasn't acted with urgency to improve contaminated systems. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall. The U.S. Department of Education is launching an investigation into the University of Southern California. In 2020, a Jewish student at USC says she resigned from student government after being harassed for her pro-Israel views. A complaint was filed on behalf of Rose Rich that same year. The former student body vice president says she faced hateful comments on social media over her support for Israel. The complaint alleges that the school failed to protect her from harassment. The Jewish advocacy nonprofit Louis Brandeis Center alleges USC allowed a hostile environment of anti-Semitism on its campus. In a statement, the university said it's taking a number of steps to combat anti-Semitism. And it looks forward to addressing any concerns from the Department of Education. And here's one sign that air travel is bouncing back after disruptions caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Officials say more than 6 million passengers passed through LAX last month for the first time since January 2020. KCRW's Jenea Williams has more. Domestic travelers passing through LAX were up almost 9 percent from June of last year, and international travel more than doubled, up more than 110 percent from the same time last year. LAX is the fifth busiest airport in the world, with more than 48 million passengers passing through in all of last year, and it shows no sign of slowing down. In fact, in just the first half of the year, LAX served 70 percent more passengers than last year. But in the latest COVID surge, L.A. County health officials say outbreaks have also hit the busy airport hard with at least 400 recent confirmed cases among TSA staff and workers at American and Southwest Airlines. 
TSA officials, however, are pushing back. They insist those numbers are not reflective of current infections and say the COVID rate for LAX is being reported about seven times higher than their own assessment. For the California Report, I'm Jenea Williams in Los Angeles. Crews continue to make good progress on the oak fire burning in Mariposa near Yosemite National Park. The fire is now 32 percent contained. It's burned more than 18,700 acres. More evacuation orders have been lifted and are now advisories. And so far, 49 homes have been destroyed in the fire. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. As the drought persists, many farmers are making the decision to fallow or set aside land that isn't being used to grow crops. But what does that actually mean? And how does that impact residents living near these fields? Andrew Ayers is a research fellow with the Public Policy Institute of California Water Policy Center. He's here to break it down for us. Hi, Andrew. Hi there. Can you walk me through what it means to fallow land? So in the San Joaquin Valley, which is the agricultural heartland of the state of California and much of the West, landowners are growing a variety of different crops. Some of them are orchard crops, you know, growing things like almonds or potentially citrus, and others are what we would usually call annual crops. So those might be things like alfalfa hay or um, processing tomatoes. And all of that land is being irrigated with either surface or groundwater. When we talk about fallowing land, we mean you're taking it out of agricultural production and you're no longer irrigating it. And you might be leaving it barren, uh, or more likely, you're probably going to be so-called disking the land, so disrupting the land surface to make sure that weeds don't grow on it. And one of the knock-on effects of that is that when you're fallowing land, oftentimes it can become a source of dust. And what are the unforeseen consequences for fallowing? Right. So as land is taken out of production, it's no longer being irrigated. It typically, you know, it might not have ground cover depending how it's being managed. It can, if poorly managed, start producing a number of nuisances. So the first I mentioned already is weeds. Another is dust. And weeds are primarily a concern for nearby agricultural operations um, who don't want weeds coming from, you know, migrating from fallow fields onto their own operations. But dust has has sort of a, a broader knock-on effect on all, 
all residents, you know, Valley residents mm -hmm. uh, who could be affected by it. That might be mainly folks who are living in rural areas surrounded by fields that could be coming out of production. But under some circumstances, you know, dust from these fields can travel miles and even impact folks who are living in the urban areas like Fresno and Bakersfield. And exposure to that dust has a number of negative consequences one, respiratory impairments, cardiovascular impairments, developmental impairments for infants and children. But it's also been shown to sort of lead to some other negative socioeconomic outcomes like inability to take part in the labor force, uh, it reduces educational attainment, things of that nature are all sort of part of the negative uh, suite of effects that you can expect from increased dust exposure. And is following something that we can expect to see more of in the future? Yes. Um, so. It's important to note that, especially during times of drought, uh, when less surface water is available, land does come out of production. It goes fallow simply because there isn't water to irrigate it. Over the next two decades, the San Joaquin Valley, alongside other areas of uh, the state of California, is going to be implementing the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. Uh, this is going to reduce the amount of groundwater that's available to farmers over the long term. That's also going to spur some fallowing. By our estimates, the San Joaquin Valley might see 500,000 or more acres come out of regular irrigated agricultural production as a result of that act. And then finally, the climate is changing. And while it's not entirely clear uh, that that's going to mean less water overall moving forward. What we can be fairly confident about this at this point is that it's going to mean uh, sort of longer and potentially more frequent droughts and then more intense wet periods. So a little bit just more variability in water uh, availability moving forward. And that can lead to um, more following, especially during the dry times. That was Andrew Ayers, a research fellow with the Public Policy Institute of California's Water Policy Center. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Governor Gavin Newsom and the California Teachers Association are opposing Proposition 30, a clean air initiative on the November ballot that would tax the wealthiest Californians to pay for electric car rebates. KQED climate editor Kevin Stark explains. Newsom said the measure would make the state's finances more unstable and ripped it as a special interest carve-out devised by a single corporation to funnel state income tax to their company. That single corporation is Lyft, which has spent millions in support. The state has mandated the ride-hailing company increase its use of electric vehicles. But Prop 30 is also backed by a long list of environmentalists, unions, even the governor's former top air official. They say the measure is needed to clean up California's smoggy air and fight climate change. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, July 27th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond. 
with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.